sitting alone in the bathroom with the door locked and eating Nutella. How's your day going? They say that to test out a baby's names, say them over and over again. Bull. What they really should suggest is to be called mom over and over and over and over again. (laughs) And then see if you still choose that. I started making myself breakfast, and I ended up making everybody except myself breakfast. Yeah, I see the mom shaking her head back there. I hate it when I'm waiting for mom to cook dinner, and then I remember that I am mom, and I have to cook dinner. (laughs) When my kids act up in public, I like to yell, you just wait till I tell your mom, and then I pretend that they're not mine. I will drink you under the table, I whisper to my coffee as we hide from the children. (laughs) Boys are less drama than girls, but they are harder to keep alive. Amen. That's the most amens I've gotten in a long time. And this is our last quote. You know you're a mom when you stop daydreaming about a million dollars and you start daydreaming about how amazing it would be to go to the bathroom alone. (laughs) You know, there are some things that happen in life that we look back and we say, wow, has it really been 10 years or wow, has it really been 20 years It's almost daily. Um, It's almost a daily thought now, especially for anybody who has Facebook, because they bring back memories from years ago. Um, This was my post for today from 11 years ago. 3.30 a.m., I awake to the sound of someone beating on the room door. I look through the peephole, and there was a drunk man beating and kicking my door. When I opened the door, he stepped forward, and I met him in the doorway. Should have seen the fear in his eyes when I told him he was in the wrong room. Of course, a half-naked, angry, bald man didn't help. And I thought, wow, that was 11 years ago? Man, that seems like that just happened not too long ago. 11 years ago. Wow. But then on the other hand, it's not quite been three years since I lost my mom and it feels like she's been gone forever it just feels like she's I, I looked I wanted to make sure how long ago it was it was just a couple of days before my anniversary in June three years ago and I think I thought man it seems like she's been gone forever I miss my mom I miss her a lot I miss her terribly at times. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, I, I know the bulletins say 2 Kings, but that was a, uh, somebody messed up. I don't know who. But it's not. It's in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 19. We see Bathsheba, and she comes before Solomon, her son. Arguably the most powerful man in Israel. 
And just listen to how he responded to her coming into his presence. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 19. And it says this, Bathsheba therefore went unto King Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her, and he bowed himself unto her, and sat down on his throne, and he caused a seat to be set for the king's mother, and she sat on his right hand. The most powerful, the most wisest man to have ever lived upon the face of this earth bowed down to his mother. He showed her the greatest of respect. The king bowed before his mama. And then he ordered a throne to be placed on his right side. The right side is the side of power. It is the side of authority. He was sending a message by placing his mom at his right side. He honored his mom by putting her at that place of honor. And he acknowledged that she was the greatest influence in his life. You know, many years ago, I always had this distorted view of Bathsheba. We've always heard this story of, of of King David and Bathsheba, and I always had this distorted view that Bathsheba was somehow a a willing participant. And I did an in-depth study, and through that study, I had come to find out that Bathsheba was not a willing participant. She was a victim. She was an innocent. The Bible calls her a lamb. It was David. It was David that took advantage of his authority. It was David that took advantage of his position, and he paid dearly for it. But not one time throughout Scripture does the Bible ever condemn Bathsheba. Not one time. And so here we see this mother and and her love for her son and the respect that Solomon had for his mom. And you know... The first five commandments that we have in the, of the Ten Commandments do with our relationship with Jehovah God. The first five. And the very next one, number six, has to do, the first one with our relationship with fellow man is to honor thy father and thy mother. That is a command. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say that this is the first commandment with promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you know what's interesting to me? I get asked a lot. How do I honor my parent when they don't deserve it? It surprises me how, I I just had someone ask me this in the past week or two. How do you honor your parent when they don't deserve honor? And for that person, I told them, sometimes the best way for us to honor a parent that doesn't deserve honor is just not to dishonor them. Not to argue with them, not to fight with them, not to talk bad about them to other people. Because they still gave you life. 
Whether you get along with your parent or not, whether you have anything good to say about your parent, they still gave you life, and God said you will honor them. It's not a suggestion. There's no disclaimers. There's no side notes. It says, number six, you will honor your father and your mother. It's up to you to figure out what that looks like. It's not a choice. It's a command. Listen, I know many people's moms, and we're on moms this morning, so I'm going to stay with that. We're terrible. Fortunately for me, I, I can't understand that. It was easy for me to honor my mom. Easy. She was a good mom. She was a wonderful mom. But as I said, there's no disclaimers. It only says, honor thy father and thy mother. That's what it says. And you know, God commands us to do the impossible all the time. He is constantly calling us to do the impossible so that he gets the glory for it, not us. He doesn't give us the option. He says, listen, you are to forgive the unforgivable. Try to tell that to a rape victim or a molested child. And yet that's what it says. It says to forgive. And when we finally understand that the forgiveness isn't about them, it's about ourselves. It's about healing for us. That unforgiveness is a cancer. Unforgiveness will eat you alive inside. When you finally understand that, and you understand that God knows best, He tells us to give thanks in all things. That's insane. And God says, you can't do it, but I can do it through you if you'll allow me. You know, every year I try to find a way to encourage moms. Every year, that is my goal. When I sit down and I, I begin to pray, and, and it's always a struggle. You know, as many years as I've been, it's hard to come up with fresh. It's hard to come up with new. But every year I sit down and I pray and I say, God, my prayer is that moms leave here encouraged. Especially since we live in a society that makes women feel like they're failures if they choose to be a mom. Failures. They even offer and they celebrate an option to murder their own children if they so choose. You know, it was a constant battle when my kids were growing up. And my wife chose to stay home to raise our children. It was a constant battle for me to make her feel like she was contributing to the family. She had people telling her that she wasn't doing her part, and oh my goodness, I used to get so angry. But how dare someone speak to my wife? We made a choice, we made sacrifices because we wanted her to stay home 
And, to, and for years, years we fought. I fought that. For years, I tried to keep her encouraged. I stayed home last Tuesday when, when she had the, the little ones there at the house. And for a minute, I thought, man, this would be kind of fun. It was a short minute. I thought, good night. I've got to go back to work. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have traded her places for all the money in the world. God bless you women. God bless you mamas who have those babies. I couldn't do it. If it was up to the men, we would go extinct. That's just all there is to it. So how important is being a mom? You know, not to be overdramatic, but the survival of all human race depends on it. Only a woman can be a mom. I don't care what society tells you. Only a woman, genetically born a woman, can be a mom. That is how God designed it. The female body is absolutely incredible. It can create life. It can incubate life. It can sustain that life with nutrition before and after birth. That is amazing. That is incredible. How does a man contribute? It takes him about 500 milliseconds to plant a seed, and he's done. That's it. And yet the woman takes over. <laughs> Don't give me thumbs up. <laughs> I shouldn't have looked up when I said that part. He can't even change a diaper properly. Losers. And you know, our society has done very well convincing women that they don't want children. It amazes me how many women choose not to have children. I just, I can't imagine that. Something that has been put inside of them by God Almighty. A natural instinct has been taken away from women because of the way society treats our moms. They don't want children. They don't need children. They just don't have time for children. And you know, it always hasn't, it hasn't always been that way. As a matter of fact, it used to be just the opposite. It used to be the greatest and most honorable thing for a woman to do to have children. That was the greatest and most honorable thing that she could do was to have children. She would never choose to wait. As soon as they were married, they, they just knew they were going to begin trying to have children. And she wanted to have children. She wanted to have lots of children. Not the 1.2 children that we have today in our society. How do they figure that one out? She wanted them. She wanted them now. And she wanted lots of them. Today we chemically and mechanically do everything we can to prevent a woman from getting pregnant. And if it doesn't work, we have the option to kill them. That's the society that we live in today. Psalms 
chapter 127, verses 3 through 5 say, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offsprings are a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. You know, I thought about blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And you know, when I look at people who were born in large families, they were always the happiest families. The big families were always the happiest family. They always the joyous, most joyous families. They the the kids loved each other. They got I know my mom had 12 siblings or there was 12 of them total. And she talks about her she used to talk about her childhood like it was the greatest thing ever. She said we were so poor but we had no idea. Blessed In Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1, Rachel told her husband, Jacob, she said, give me children or I will die. That's how mothers felt about children. That's what mothers felt about having a family. It was considered a curse. It was considered an affliction if a woman was unable to have children. She said, give me children or I will die. So, as I said, I want to look this morning at a mother in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the mom of Samuel, Hannah by name. First Samuel chapter 1. Now, there were... S- a certain man of Rothatham Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of jo- Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Now, I, I kind of feel like, first off, you know, a lot of times people look at this and they talk about them have multiple wives. One of the things about it, they took the ability to have children so important, was so important to them, that that was actually grounds for the divorce. If a woman could not have children, they were actually allowed them to divorce that woman. Or the other option was to marry another woman that could bear them children. And so when we see a case like this and we see Miss Anna, who was not able to have children, and so here we see a case where he married another woman. He had two, nine, who had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, and Hannah had no children. And, his, and this man went up of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was at Elkanah offered, he gave to Panini his wife and to all her sons and to all her daughters portions. Now you see that? You already see the problem. Panini has, has given Jacob all of these sons and daughters. And poor Miss Hannah, who has this heart desire 
to have children is unable to have any. And here you have this second wife who comes in and starts to bear children. And, and the first thing that I kind of notice is that Hannah doesn't go to her husband and blame him. She doesn't go and begin to blame her husband. Give me children or I will die. But notice in verse 5 it says, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, uh, which some say a double portion. Some of your translations will say a double portion. He gave her a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And so you see the love that he had for Hannah. He loved her, and he wanted her to have children. And he blessed her by giving her a double portion when it, when it came time. And her adversary, that's speaking of Panini, now Panini is her adversary, the problem child, also provoked her sore. So it wasn't bad enough that Hannah was not able to have children, but now you have Panini that's rubbing it in her face that she's not able to have children and bragging about the fact that she has all of these children. And it says, For to make her feet, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. So Hannah began to, she began to become depressed because she was unable to have children. And Panini was just horrible about it. And you see that in several cases inside of Scripture. Well, you'll see where you have one woman that's unable to have children and the other one that's brought in to help have children then thinks she's really something and will begin to, to pour out upon the one that is brokenhearted because she's not able to. And then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? What a, what a horrible thing to say to this woman. I mean, can you imagine? What do you need kids for? You got me, baby. You don't need anything else. You got me. <laughs> Come on, man. Seriously. Ain't I better than ten sons? Oh, my, my. I'm sorry, but sometimes us men are so dumb. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed unto the Lord, and she wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed Look on the affliction of the handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. That's the Nazarite vow. Um, we've seen that with Samson. You ne they never cut their hair. They never drank uh, the, the fruit of the, of the vine. And it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. So he's sitting back, and he sees Hannah up, and she's praying. As she's praying, her mouth is moving, but she's not saying anything. She's just kind of praying to herself. And Eli begins to look at her, and she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she had been drunken. So he looked up, and he sees Hannah, and she's up there pouring her heart out, weeping before the Lord, and Eli looks, and he says, this woman's drunk. 
She showed up at the temple drunk. We got a lot of dumb men in this thing here. <laughs> and verse 12, um, I'm sorry. I lost myself. <clears throat> um, thank you. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And so now we see Hannah and Eli comes up and he says, listen, how dare you come into the house of the God drunk? How dare you show up here drinking? And she says, listen, I, I would never do that. I would never come into the house of God drunk. You got to understand, I, I am a woman of broken heart. I have no children and I'm crying out before God that, that he would give me that child. And I'm going to tell you something. If you have a praying mom, you have something. If you had a praying mom in your life, you had something. And I hope you never take that for granted. And here we see Hannah who is pouring out prayers for a child that she doesn't even have and making promises and making deals with God that if you will do this, I will give this child back to you. Then Eli, verse 17, answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Isn't that powerful? So she's sitting there, and she's crying out before God, and, and, and the priests come up, and he says, Hey, how? and she's like, It was, I know. I would never do that. And as soon as he's seen her heart and he's seen that she was broken and he says, my prayer is this. My prayer is that God grants the very thing that you wish for. He didn't prophesy. He didn't tell her she was going to have a child. He said, listen, my prayer for you is that your prayer is answered before God. And she had such peace in that. She had such comfort in those words that came to her that it says she got up and her heart was not saddened anymore. She got up and she went out and she began to eat. Her depression lifted up off of her once she heard the words of the, of the man of God. And they rose up in the morning early and they worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house uh, to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Her prayer was answered. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Sa Samuel's one of my favorite. I love to read Samuel. First and Second Samuel's some of my most favorite books. Um. And the man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. 
And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. So the child was no longer a baby. Now, the thing about it is when we think of weaning, we always think that, that once the baby is removed from, from the breast or is removed from, from drinking, we think that is the weaning. Now, for them, the weaning was longer. Sometimes weaning would go up to four or five years old. And during that time, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, according to experts, they say that the, the first five years of a child's life is absolutely the most influential. It's when they are most willing to take in the information that is getting. They are hungry for information to learn. Um, and, the most, and typically the greatest influencer in those children's life is mom for the first five years. Paul told Timothy... In 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure that it dwells in you as well. He said, I recognize that Timothy, Paul's son in the faith, he said, I recognize that, that everything you are in God is because of the influence of your mama and because of the influence of your grandma. I saw it in them first, and I am convinced that it's in you. I heard a story about a great preacher, a commentator, and he had six sons. And all six of those sons became preachers, great preachers, preachers of great influence. And one of them was being interviewed. And they asked him, they said, so of all of the, the, those that are preaching in your house, what, who is the greatest preacher in the house? Of course, they're, he's expecting a little sibling rivalry you know I'm the greatest or maybe he would even go and say my dad was the greatest preacher and he looked at that and he said my mom was the greatest preacher in our house my mom was the greatest preacher in my house what a powerful testimony Abraham Lincoln said no man is poor who has a godly mother no man is poor that has a godly mother. Verse 25, And they slew a bullock, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as my soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord gave him to me, my petition which I asked him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, and he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And so Hannah, being true to her word, and she said, I, I swear, if you will give me a child, I will give him back to you. And so she took this child that she loved, that she loved so dearly, that she had waited so long, and she gave him back to God completely. It said for the rest of his life, he will be in service for the Lord. 
And so Eli took this child and raised him inside of the temple to learn the things of God. You know, I mentioned to you how my wife struggled staying home and raising our children. But by God's grace, she now stays home and raises my grandchildren. I don't think she struggles like she used to. I think she's finally come to the conclusion that all those years I was right. She had the most important job ever by raising those kids. I would I wouldn't give up any I wouldn't gain anything. I wouldn't gain more money. I wouldn't gain houses. I wouldn't gain mansions. I wouldn't gain new I wouldn't take anything for what my wife has done to raise those kids and to raise and, and, and is now blessed to be able to raise those. I can't imagine anybody else with those grandkids. I break out in hives thinking about somebody else trying to raise my grandkids. I do. I, I'm telling you, in this society, I, I can't imagine any, allowing those grandkids to go anywhere else other than the other grandma's house, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. But, you know, I'm talking about a stranger. I can't imagine a stranger raising my kids or raising my grandkids. I know that's hard. And I, and I some people just don't have that option. You know, I've been, I was thinking about it. I've been saved for 25 years been saved for 25 years i've been a preacher for 23 of those 25 years i've been a pastor for almost 14 years and i still know the greatest spiritual influence on my kids and my grandkids was my wife it wasn't me i know that and i thank god for that proverbs Chapter 6 and verse 20 says, Forsake not your mother's teachings. Forsake not the, your mother's teachings. Moms and grandmas, please don't ever downplay that you, the role you play as a mom. Don't ever downplay the role you play as a grandmother. You are the most important person in those children's lives. You have the most important job in the world. You want to change this world? Moms, change our children. Raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's how we change this world. It's not by a president. It's not by a government. It's by our children. It's by raising them up right. And it seems like we get farther and farther away from the things that are right. You know, you may be a college graduate with a doctorate. You may be the CEO of a great company. And you may one day even be the president of this great United States of America. But your greatest calling in God's eyes will be what he created you to be. And your greatest accomplishment will be to raise godly children. That will be your greatest accomplishment in this life. All of those other things are nice. I'm not opposed to any of them. But I'm telling you, the thing God created all women to do, because a man cannot do it, he cannot do it, is to have children. And your greatest accomplishment before God and before man will be to raise godly children. Do those other things and be proud of them.
But don't you ever put anything above your children. Ever. And don't ever let anyone convince you otherwise. Ever. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25 through 30 says, Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and they call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many many women have done excellently. But you, mom, have surpassed them all. And Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. The greatest gift God gives is our children. And then to all of us, Leviticus chapter 19.3 says, Everyone, you shall revere your mother. It says, everyone, you shall revere your mother. Moms, we love you. We love you all. And we thank you for the sacrifices that you have made over the years. For all the things that you've given up so that your family could have. We thank you. Would you stand to your feet? And for your mamas, we do have gifts in the back back there. Please, as you're going out, grab you a cookie jar, whatever your favorite cookie is. They were real popular last year, so they decided to do them again this year. And so please grab you one on the way out. Um, and if you want to take one to your mom, go ahead. We'll do that until they're gone. Just make sure all the moms here get one, and if there's any left over, feel free to take one to your mom at home. Um, but thank you, moms. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I just want you mamas to understand how important you are see these babies running around here it just makes me so proud and so happy thank you and God bless you father thank you for this wonderful day and God we thank you for this encouraging word God I thank you for the moms that are here today God I pray that today you pour out upon them God, I pray that they walk out of there with their heads high, God, encouraged and strengthened. God, may they leave here. I know they get tired. God, I know they wear down. I know they wear out. God, I know that it is such a struggle in this world to raise kids. But, Father, they have chosen that path. And, God, I pray you bless them. God, that they feel the accomplishment of raising these children. They see the benefit of raising these children godly.
God, for all of the grandmas here, may they be an encouragement. May they be a helping hand. May they be an, uh, an open ear for advice. And may they have a direct impact on these babies and to help raise them as godly children. And now, Father, as we conclude this service, I just pray that you bless us today as we leave this house. I pray for rest today. And, Father, bring us all back once again as we open your word. And we ask all these things in Jesus' very precious name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.